This is the Scott Thompson Show podcast. Interesting start to the GOP convention uh, with, um, uh, well, I guess there's pros and cons to having the spouse of a candidate speak. And uh, we certainly saw this last night. Uh, However, some saying that the speech of Mrs. Trump uh, mirrored the speech from Mrs. Obama back in 2008. Attendees were also riled up after a harsh criticism of Hillary Clinton and uh, lots of delegates chanting, lock her up, all that sort of stuff. Uh, To get his take on all of this, Charles Ortel is with us, Washington insider, writer, uh, expert on geopolitics and is with us now. Good afternoon, Charles. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for taking the time to join us. We appreciate this. Uh, First of all, how common, uh, good or bad, to have the spouses of candidates speak? Well, it's quite common. I don't know that it's necessarily customary to do it on the first night, but um, I have to say that, you know, I thought that uh, Melania Trump's speech was uh, a tour de force. Why so? Your thoughts? Well, you know, first of all, I mean, you know, Melania Trump, like other first ladies, is actually not running to hold any elective office. So, uh, you know, years ago, decades ago, the notion was that the first lady would just, you know, sit on the side and and do, you know, minor things that, you know, that the the president of the United States would would, uh, take the reins firmly. And, of course, that's changed over time. But, you know, I I found Melania's speech uh, to be genuine. Very well delivered, thoughtful, uh, a parable uh, in many ways of you know uh, of how this uh, attractive immigrant uh, you know came to our country, made a big success of herself. I think she was a success before she landed, but she made a big success of herself. She's a very hardworking person, and of course she married well, but that's great. And you know, I know there's a big brouhaha about uh, whether or not she, the lines that she used may have been similar to uh, to lines that Michelle used. Uh, you know, I I perhaps there are similarities, but I don't. I doubt it was really plagiarism. And uh, you know, if that's the best that the Democratic Greek chorus can throw at this this uh, fine uh, person and great new American, then I I would suggest that the Democratic Party is in deep distress. How did this uh, whole rumor start of the plagiarism, and do we know how close these speeches are that uh, that they're referring to? Well, um, I just I happen to know the reporter Maggie Haberman at the New York Times. I mean, I've, I've met her and I've, I'm in touch with her, and she's a diligent reporter. Um, you know, plagiarism is a tough charge. I mean, plagiarism means you've got to really prove that uh, Melania's speechwriter has actually lifted. The prose from uh, from Michelle's speech. The speech, I think, it, you know, the, the sentiments that uh, Melania expressed are common sentiments. It's, it's part of our country. I, I, dare I say, it's also part of your country. The notion that you know we we are both countries, nations of immigrants, uh, many of whom leave uh, other countries uh, that are in desperate shape to come here for better opportunities, and frankly, to come to Canada for better opportunities. So, you know, I'd say that uh, the notion that you should work hard, chase your dream make the most of opportunities. I mean, that's just, that's bedrock Americana, North Americana. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I don't really see that part of it as plagiarism. How important was Milani's speech to the Trump campaign? I mean, as you said, uh, a lot of the ca- in a lot of cases, it necessarily doesn't open things up. Uh, obviously, this was very well staged last night. It was quite the production piece. Talk about the importance of the speech and having it placed where it was. Well, I, I, I think it was important to have, you know, uh, Melania speak to talk through, uh, you know, her relationship, her views. Obviously, she knows Donald Trump better than most people. Uh, clearly, she is a woman. Clearly, she is uh, from a very different background than most Americans. So I think her perspective, you know, was very heartening uh, and, and very interesting. I, I think she is, you know, it, it must be tough to be the the third uh, wife of Donald Trump and, uh, you know, to maintain relations with the various children, but it would sure seem to me as if that's all going very well, and uh, there's a lot of love and mutual admiration in that in that uh, big family. Um, and I think that's really testament. I mean, I, I happen to know a lot of, I myself have divorced them, but I, I happen to know a lot of people who've been through divorces and, you know, who work at big jobs, and it's very, very difficult to do all that Mm. and to then turn around and raise a family that it seems to be as accomplished as this big family 
already is. So, you know, I think it was it was frankly wonderful that she she gave the speech, and uh, you know, nobody's perfect. Perhaps she made a few missteps, but on balance, for this non-politician, for this uh, very successful businesswoman and fashion model to get up in front of 35 million people, hold her own, and, 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 and moments, give a really moving speech, I think was fantastic. Uh, do you think she will change anybody's opinion of Donald Trump? Has she won anybody over, do you think? Well, I, I'm afraid I didn't catch that. What did you say? Do you think she will have won anyone over with this? Do you think that... Oh, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, the, the theme, you got to remember down here, 90 to 95% of the mainstream media in America is left-leaning. They're not going to find anything much good to say about anybody in the Republican Party, uh, let alone somebody in business, brash person like Donald Trump. So, you know, to expect that we're going to get uh, these diehard opponents of anybody Republican to say anything positive is, is you know, is just silliness. So um, I think, actually, that, you know, the people who tuned in, I, I, I believe it or not, I couldn't watch it last night because my set-top box was broken. I happened to see a reference to it, watch it on YouTube. I was blown away. I thought some of the other speeches, you know, people, like Chris Matthews, who is, of course, a hard-left uh, liberal Democrat, a commentator for MSNBC, he gave the mother of Sean Smith a hard time for her speech. I thought her speech was a tour de force. I thought it was fantastic. And so, I think she was actually dead on. And many Americans, frankly, many human beings around the world, listening to that poor woman, listening to her tale, I think she, Mrs. Smith, probably got Donald Trump millions of votes last night. Do you think this will help the divisiveness within the Republican Party? Again, you know, divisiveness in the Republican Party. I mean, if you go back to uh, history, you look at 1980, there you had, you know, the George H.W. Bush moderate wing of the party and Ronald Reagan, the conservative wing. Uh, there in 1980, obviously a different time, no social media, no internet, but if you go back then, and you look at how far behind in the polls Ronald Reagan was, and the talk of all of the business, the talk that he was an airhead, hmm. uh, just an actor, that he would never get anything done. Uh, and then look at how he destroyed Jimmy Carter, a sitting president. He destroyed him in the, the last slide, 1980 election. So, you know, I think it's very premature uh, in, in July, even in July, three and a half months ahead of the election. Uh, to think about, uh, you know, mayhem on the right. I see, frankly, a far more mayhem on the left. I don't believe that the Bernie Sanders supporters, you know, the true believers among the Bernie Sanders supporters are ever going to support Hillary Clinton. I think they will sit out or, or write in Jill Stein, the environmental candidate, the Green candidate, uh, or even some of them may vote for Trump. So if we want to talk about the division in a party, I think there's a lot more of it in the Democrat Party. Wouldn't that be interesting if, like you said, by the time the fall rolls around and it is election time, if the pendulum is completely swung the other way and it's the Republican Party that's uh, together and it's the Democrats that are divisive? Well, you see, I, I think, you know, the problem here that uh, Hillary Clinton and the Democrats have is that the ocean is moving against them. The ocean of geopolitical events uh, that you cannot lay at the feet of Donald Trump. Um, eight, it'll be almost eight years of uh, major missteps, granted on the back of missteps preceding Barack Obama's inauguration in January of 2009. Nonetheless, it, you know, the likelihood that we're going to have additional problems internationally is very high. The economy around the world, inside America and around the world, is a disaster. And so between now and then, you've got a lot of things that the Democrats are going to have to answer for. And you've got the fact that I think many Americans would like to throw people in both party parties out. So there's an anti-incumbent feel. Hillary is the quintessential incumbent. Uh, let's see who she picks. But she's the quintessential member of the establishment, the political class. And I just think her cards are, are really rough to play in 2016. What about those that are visibly absent from this convention, like the Bushes? Well, you know, I can confess that I'm distantly related to the Bushes, and I'm deeply dissatisfied with both H.W. and W. Bush. The fact that they would be petulant, not show at the convention, you know, I, that just speaks to their pettiness. Uh, you know, Jeb Bush uh, had a lot of money, had over $100 million raised. He was shellacked 
by Donald Trump. He couldn't even win for uh, Florida. And, you know, I think that uh, Donald Trump has is, is shown himself to be very, very clever. Uh, he, you know, he's not a political expert, but he's certainly outplayed the political expert. And, uh, you know, shame on those who can't be uh, big enough people. They signed the pledge, by the way. Jeb Bush signed the pledge to support the, you know, the the uh, nominee of the Republican Party for him not to show up, not to speak. It just shows his pettiness. Same with Casey. Uh, when this uh, when this convention before this convention started, lots weren't sure how this was going to all play out. It seemed we were talking about the Ohio carry or open carry law more than we were talking about the actual convention itself. Uh, a lot were looking at this to turn into some sort of sideshow. When it starts off like it did yesterday, as strong as it did with the speech from Milani and and Rudy Giuliani and such, how do you think this will play? out in the next couple of days? Well, you know, look, I think one has to remember as much as we may all care about politics uh, and economics, the audience in America, and dare I say up in Canada, of people who really, you know, wait on every word, even in the national election period, is kind of small. Mm-hmm. Uh, sad to say, most people do care a lot more, you know, about the audience for, you know, wrestling and yeah. entertainment news and, you know, celebrity gossip is many times the size of the political business uh, market. So, you know, Donald Trump's uh, approach here, those of his handlers, bringing this down market into the mass market, uh, on the one hand, it's going dis- to dissatisfy people who would like to quote, uh, you know, political theory and and, uh, and uh, extensive academic take- papers on political science and economics. But on the other hand, you know, the people who are out there in the heartland who do vote, who may not be all that educated, who are deeply distressed and worried, both about the, you know, the safety of their incomes, the safety of their families, uh, and the future of this country, they probably are going to be drawn in by this. Is it just a case of uh, making this warm enough and warm and fuzzy and smooth enough for the mainstream? What does Donald have to do to take this over the top, do you think? Well, you know, I think he's been very effective making, I mean, remember, he's an accomplished showman and celebrity. He's been very effective hitting on a point and driving it a stake through his opponent's heart. Uh, and I think what he's going to be hammering here is that, uh, you know, with Hillary, you actually do have a record. I and mean, there's a record, you know, now I, I'm, you know I, I think I could be objective about this, though I, I don't really like the Clinton family. It is a record that is limited in failures. Nothing to show for her, her time as a senator. Uh, disaster everywhere in the foreign policy she was quickly responsible for from 2009 to 2013. Massive numbers of unexplained conflicts and problems. Uh, no real record of management success. No record in the private sector. Um, you know, so he's going to hammer that home. He's going to hammer home the issue that Americans are worse off economically, which is what we vote on first, and in more danger geopolitically, which is what we vote on second, and he's going to do it relentlessly using veterans, using some of the people you've seen out in, uh, on the dais so far that you're going to see this week, and I think that's going to resonate, you know, to the Democrats, especially the independents, and it's going to cause people who vote to actually get out and vote, and people who've never voted before, to really make a difference. By the end of this convention, will we have a more clear idea of his policy? He says a lot, we're going to win, we're going to make America great again. He really doesn't elaborate on a lot. Will he address that over the course of this convention? Will Americans have a more, a more clear picture of the depth behind Donald and the showmanship? I, I think it's not fair to say that he doesn't lay out his policies. I mean, you know, going way back as he got in this campaign, he, he does, you're right, use these general statements, but he follows them up with policy papers. Take, for example, the issue of jump-starting the economy. America today has the, the most repressive corporate and, and personal income tax system of any major economy in the world. Russia has a flat tax. <laughs> I mean, at much lower levels than we do. And uh, China's tax rates are much lower. They're not truly a, developing, a developed country yet. But So, I mean, he's laid out uh, a set of ideas on jump-starting the economy. He's been very clear that he's going to support uh, veterans and, and, and rebuild our military. Uh, and I think, you know, what he will systematically do, I, you know, I'm not involved in politics, really. I'm just an observer. But as a guest, what he will do is lay out quite specifically in position papers 
the major themes that he's going to attack once he becomes president. I don't see Hillary Clinton doing any of that. Will we hear some of that in his final speech at the end of this? I'm sorry? Will we hear some of that policy at the end of this convention in his speech? Yeah, I'm pretty certain that, you know, I don't know, of course, but I mean, I guess Donald Trump has been very fleet of foot, reacting to events on world stage very quickly. Um, And as a guest, you know, he's got a, a draft he's working with now. And whatever he says on, I think, Thursday night will be very carefully tailored to be fresh and not the minute and forward-looking. Charles Ortel has been with us, Washington Insider, writer, expert on geopolitics, uh, charlesortel.com to find out more. Charles, thanks for the time and insight. Much appreciated. Thanks for having me on. You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML. We were talking uh, just moments ago prior to the newscast with Charles Ortel, Washington Insider, getting his take on what he saw. Let's ask Andrew Lawton. He, of course, uh, covering this for our chorus affiliates from uh, AM 980 in London, and he is with us now live from Cleveland. Hello, Andrew. How are you doing today? Hey, Scott. I'm doing all right. How about yourself? Not too bad. Thanks for taking the time. As always, appreciate it. So your thoughts on what you saw last night. What's it like watching one of these things unfold? Well, it's kind of interesting because there seems to be a bit of a divide in what people here saw last night and what people here are reading this morning. So uh, last night, Melania Trump was very well received. A lot of people really enjoyed what it was she had to say. She hit a lot of good points. She has a lot of compelling uh, stuff in her, her own life that she was sharing, just being an immigrant. And I went to bed thinking, okay, she, she did really well. And then I woke up <laughs> reading all about this whole uh, plagiarism thing. So uh, today, a lot of the media discussion surrendered, uh, centered around that, but not a lot of people at the convention seem to actually be too bothered by it. So uh, obviously, uh, Milani's speech was very much a focal point. Obviously, this has set the tone for this convention, and, and certainly not what people uh, had expected. Uh, Democrats come back saying that it was plagiarized. Do we have any sort of idea whether there's any truth to these allegations of plagiarism or not? Well, look, I, I mean, I don't know about truth because I, I haven't actually seen what went on behind the scenes in writing the speech. I think that we're dealing with more words that were the same then we can cast off as a coincidence. I know that the Trump campaign manager said this morning uh, that it's all absurd. He said he doesn't really have any sort of belief that it was plagiarized. The audio tapes that have been playing all over would say something else. So at the convention last night when this was going on, uh, was this a focal point of, of the convention so far? Obviously, when this started, there was lots of divisiveness. We saw that uh, some people were trying to, uh, to, you know, to, to redraw the rules of, of how Trump was selected or not. Does the uh, speech by Milani offset all of that and end it on a positive note going into the rest of the convention? Uh, I, I think to some extent, yeah. I mean, a lot of people today are focusing on Melania's speech just because of the uh, allegations surrounding it. But I think that yesterday, convention delegates were actually really pleased, it seemed like, with the speeches that uh, were happening other than Melania. So things that uh, were touching on immigration, national security, very strong points for Trump in the eyes of his supporters. Uh, safety, uh, a lot of uh, talking about protecting America. Did that seem to be the theme of the speeches last night? Sorry, can you say that again? I, uh, you cut out for a moment there. Safety and the whole idea around safety and the country's safety, was that pretty much the theme last night in all of the speeches? Yeah, that was the, the theme. It was called Make America Safe Again, so they sort of had that as the common thread. Today, it's Make America Work Again, so they're going to be shifting gears entirely, or at least that's what the agenda would suggest, into more uh, domestic issues like the economy and jobs and stuff like that. And I would point out that for a lot of uh, Republicans, and, and even a lot of Americans in general, we haven't heard much of what Donald Trump is going to say on these issues. I think so much of the rhetoric has been focused on immigration and national security. What's he going to do about jobs? What's he going to do about taxes? This is going to be the night where I think he appeals or tries to appeal to a lot more mainstream voters than he has up until this point. Uh, Up until this point, we've heard a lot of, we're going to make America great again, we're going to win, we're going to this, we're going to that, all kind of like one and two sentence sound bites. Do you think we'll actually get into some depth on how he feels and what his positions are on certain policies? Well, I I think you're still going to get sound bites. I mean, ultimately, these... When you have only so much time on TV and on radio to, 
to share what happened. I think he, he his messaging works well in that regard because, you know what, if he says a good one-liner, that's what's going to get played anyway. Yeah, I think that he's going to try anyway. But, again, he's not going to be doing a great deal of speaking today if he appears at all. We don't know uh, if he's going to appear, how long he's going to speak, any of that yet. Um, but we do know that a lot of the speakers he has planned are going to speak about things to do with the economy. So we've got Paul Ryan who's speaking. We've got Mitch McConnell. Both of them are fairly well-respected and well-established Republicans who are going to be speaking, and they're obviously a part of the more sort of official wing of the party, unlike, you know, Ivanka Trump and uh, Don Trump Jr. Is the party, do you get the feeling that the Republican Party is coming together and they're mending some of the fences over the divisiveness? Do you think that uh, Melania's speech will help bring the party together? Um, I, 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 it's hard to say. I, I think that having her speak puts a softer side of Donald Trump on display. So we see, you know, Donald Trump the husband, Donald Trump the father, which is not an element of him that really comes through in other political statements. So I think having her out front and center, which she's never really been more than a trophy at public events, like she just sort of stands there and smiles, I think that's interesting because she may be, you know, the, the, the Trump campaign secret weapon if she can resonate with voters. I mean, we saw that uh, in a number of Canadian contexts as well, when uh, political spouses have ended up uh, being a great asset if they can resonate. We don't know yet if she will. She's very beautiful. She's a model. She's, uh, you know, married an older man. Will that help her or hurt her in the eyes of voters if it has any impact at all? That's something that stands to be seen. But we can tell that they're trying to at least float the waters with that, with her speech last night. It's interesting you said secret weapon. I actually had that written down. Do you think that she will win over those that are sitting on the fence, those that aren't sure what he's all about? Do you think uh, she will help temper his message at all? Well, one thing that I I will say that jumped out is that I I was familiar with the fact that she was an immigrant from an an Eastern Bloc country, but I, I never really thought of her in the context of that sort of American dream before, but she really, I think, encapsulated that element of her life last night. I mean, it's coming from a communist country, and now, whether you like Trump or not, she's a coin toss away from being the first lady of the United States. I mean, that is what a lot of patriotic Americans would hold up as that ideal of the American dream. Uh, obviously, uh, last night, Trump made an appearance in order to uh, introduce Milani. That's, uh, I guess, uh, out of the ordinary. Most of the time, the, uh, the headliner doesn't speak to the very, very end of the discussion. Uh, do you think this has become more of the Trump show and less about the Republican convention? Do you think he'll be salt oh, and pepper? Oh, very much so. I mean, there's a, at least one Trump speaking every night this week. I mean, last night we had... Donald and Melania. Tonight we have Don Jr. and Tiffany. Tomorrow we have Eric. Thursday we have Ivanka and Donald again. So uh, I think very much we need to dispense with this notion that the candidate is an afterthought in this uh, particular election cycle and at this convention. Man, that... I, I, said, I said yesterday it's an unconventional convention. That's, that's a great line. Uh, it certainly does put a lot of pressure on the rest of his family if he's lining them all up here to speak. I mean, that's quite a few. Yeah, but it's also a public family. I mean, remember, if, if you're a member yeah. of, of the Apprentice Hall, yeah. a few years into the show, he shifted from having you know his associates at his company on the show into showcasing his kids. So, I mean, Ivanka and Don Jr., and later on Eric, and obviously his, his uh, second youngest child, Tiffany. She's a former model, so she's been on display as well. So you have, I mean, these people that have been groomed for several years to be part of the public face of the Trump brand, of the Trump enterprise. Talk about uh, former New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani's speech and even drawing comparisons to, uh, to 9-11. What was that? How was that received? Uh, you know what? He was uh, very energetic, but he nailed it, I think, and just in terms of what he was trying to accomplish. I mean, one thing that's important to note here is that I have not seen, that I can recall anyway, a more grateful group as far as law enforcement goes than this convention today and, and the delegates. Now, I'm not, this is not a left-right issue. I think it's just because of the news of the day with what happened a couple of days ago in Baton Rouge and a week earlier in Dallas. So I, I think that him talking about law enforcement really was a message that people needed to hear, what are you going to do about this? And, I mean, whether or not Trump can deliver on on what Giuliani was saying he would do is another question. But just looking at the speech itself, I think he gave what was needed last night, which is a dose of momentum. Because I think up until this point, there have been a lot of questions. People haven't been sure what to expect. 
but he energized the crowd, and that's what these conventions are supposed to be about. It's meant to be like a rally up the troops and kick off the campaign until November. So we have an earlier convention this year than has been typical in last uh, in uh, more recent years. So he gave, I think, a dose of something anyway that was required here. Uh, you bring up an interesting point, Andrew, and, and you know nobody was sure how this was going to play out as this all started. I mean, we were talking about open carry, it seemed, and we were talking about the content of the convention when it, before it started. Uh, how do you think the tone is moving forward? Uh, w- is this different than what you expected? Uh, you know, I, I went into this one with uh, no expectations, so I can't say it's more than I expected, because uh, I deliberately knew that this was not going to be one where expectations were going to be met no matter where they were pegged at. I will say, though, I mean, just looking at sort of predictions for the future here, I think that tonight is going to be the important night, just in terms of auditing, I guess, if, if we can use such a word, how Trump will manage that final stage in his transition from nomination seeker to White House seeker, to presidency yeah. seeker. Because remember, this is a guy who is, in a lot of ways, I mean, changing his tone a little bit in the last couple of weeks. Uh, I mean, we're, we're not seeing as many of the antics that we saw earlier, like, you know, mocking the disabled reporter or making, you know, lewd comments about women or, yeah. or things like that. Now, I mean, he, he's going down from, like, you know, 100 to 95 here. So there's still a fair bit of, go, there, a bit of the way to go if people are looking for someone who's mellow. But I think it is going to be that final stage in that transition to the Trump that we can expect to see. Uh, we're going to see that man on Thursday. Uh, what about outside the convention? Uh, are, are there any protests? Uh, we were talking about the open carry uh, law the other day. Uh, any of that? Any issues there? Yeah, a lot of protests. We saw, obviously, the open carry demonstration went off without any issues. In fact, even just as I'm talking to you here, I had uh, four women with pink shirts walking by uh, with uh, I stand with Planned Parenthood signs, and there have also been uh, some groups that have put up, pro-choice groups, uh, that have put up banners and billboards around town, just knowing that Republicans are going to be coming into the city this week. Uh, we've seen a lot of mini-demonstrations as well as some of the bigger ones. So far, the fear of riots or, you know, uh, I mean, targeted violence against police, uh, you know, any sort of physical fights and altercations between demonstrators and counter-demonstrators, so far, those fears have not been met. Uh, now, that doesn't mean they were unwarranted. I think it just means that law enforcement has been doing a really good job at uh, having a preventative presence. I mean, you can't walk anywhere without seeing police officers from all across the country uh, just walking around. I, I mean, just walking around, and, and they're just patrolling, and I think they need to be seen, and I think they are, and I, I'm pretty sure that's had a, a pretty substantial impact here because they're, they're not walking around alone. That was one of the changes that was put in after the Baton Rouge shootings. All units have a minimum of two officers in them. Andrew, you were talking about how, uh, talking about safety in this convention and uh, just the mood of America now, considering the police shootings, there definitely seems to be a, a theme of anti-police uh, that, that's, uh, that's percolating through, through the country. Do you think people who are looking for a, a, a place for security and, and on that issue and, and someone to support the police, do you think they will move towards the Trump camp? I think it's possible, and I never like playing politics with tragedy. I leave that for other people. But I do have to point out here that any time there are incidents like what we saw in Paris just last week or what we've seen around the world, I mean, with global terrorism, it helps candidates who are talking about those issues. I mean, it's one of these things where if Donald Trump is seen to be politicizing it, then that'll backfire. Mm. But if we see more of these types of calamities in the world, and we have one candidate who's saying, you know what, Islamic terrorism is a threat, we need to deal with it, we need to do something, and then we have another candidate that's saying, oh, no, we can't profile, we can't do this, we have to come up with a comprehensive strategy, well, Americans are going to call BS on that, frankly. And whether or not they should is, is a question I'll leave up for voters. But if we see continued unrest in the world, if we see continued violence against police, that's only going to help Donald Trump. Hmm. How are the residents of Cleveland coping with this convention? Well, it's kind of interesting. I mean, walking around, anyone I see, I just sort of assume is here for the convention. So I can't tell who the real Cleveland people are and, and who the convention goers are. I mean, if I lived in this city, I would have been, like, moving out of town yeah. for the week the convention was on. So, uh, I mean, I've talked to some of the staff at uh, a lot of the venues downtown. 
where things are happening, and they're obviously grateful that so much is happening for their city and for their community. Uh, you know, as someone who drove uh, into downtown on Sunday, I, I can safely say that if I were a local Cleveland resident, I wouldn't be happy with the traffic, but... Uh, I mean, you guys know that in Hamilton as well. So I think, I think that's a universal challenge. Yeah, absolutely. How big do you think his last speech has to be? Is this a tipping point for him? Is this the speech that he has to knock out of the park? You know, I, I, someone asked me uh, the other day, just when I was chatting with a, another reporter here, about sort of what he should do on Thursday. And, and I'm of the mind that I don't think it matters what he does in terms of policy or presentation, I think that, or sorry, in terms of policy, I think what matters is presentation. Hmm. I think what matters is if he can uh, be composed, if he can act, dare I say, presidential, and people start to see, okay, maybe this is the real Donald Trump. I don't think it matters what happened between Monday and, th- and, uh, and Thursday night. I-, I really don't think it does. I mean, Remember, you have 15,000 reporters here in Cleveland right now. Every day there has to be countless hours of coverage and news stories and radio topics and all these different things. But by Thursday, the, the climax of this whole thing, everyone will move on from that. Everyone's going to remember just one thing, and that was what did Donald Trump say and how did he say it. Uh, I know you got to run, Andrew. One little uh, quick, uh, quick last question. Your thoughts of his entrance. It almost reminded me of something out of the WWE. <laughs> Yeah, and what's interesting is that there appears to be quite a mounting number of musical artists that have tweeted out their uh, dissatisfaction with their songs being used uh. <laughs> on, the, on the convention stage. So uh, that'll be interesting if they have to, like, uh, rejig the soundtrack uh, between now and the rest of the week. But, uh, yeah, I mean, but, but again, though, I mean, these are all about show, and these are all about pomp, and these are all about kind of ostentatious displays of, of bravado, whether it's a Democrat or a Republican. So... I think WWE entrance is something we're going to see probably more of every time he comes on the stage, and I think Hillary Clinton's probably going to try her hand at this as well next week. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how she adjusts to all the showbiz. Uh, Andrew Lawton has been with us, of course, from AM980 in London, our chorus affiliate there, and is in Cleveland, Ohio, covering the GOP convention down there. Andrew, thanks again for the time and insight. Much appreciated. Yeah, thanks for having me on. You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML. All right, I want to read you something. This is from uh, the Canada Revenue Agency website. It says, know how to recognize a scam. Uh, Taxpayers should be vigilant when they receive, either by telephone, mail, or text message, or email, a fraudulent communication that claims to be from Canada Revenue Agency, CRA, requesting personal information such as social insurance numbers, credit card numbers, bank accounts, passport numbers, etc. These scams may insist that the personal information is needed so that the taxpayer can receive a refund or a benefit payment. Cases of fraudulent communication could also involve threatening or coercive uh, language to scare individuals into paying fictitious debts to the CRA. Other communications urge taxpayers to visit a fake CRA website where the taxpayer is then asked to verify their identity by entering personal information. These are scams, it says in boldface, and taxpayers should never respond to these fraudulent communications or click on any links uh, provided. If you receive a call saying you owe money to the CRA, you can either call us or check my account to be sure. To talk more about all of this, is uh, joining us is Joseph Mon- uh, Monaco. Joseph is a lawyer specializing in tax law at Simpson Weigel Law and is with us now. Hello, Joseph. How are you today? Oh, I'm fantastic. How are you this afternoon? I'm doing very well. Did you hear a sample of the call that we play- that we sent to you? Um, unfortunately, I did not, but I, I do um, have in front of me the um, the information from CRA that was issued in about uh, 2015. Okay, I want you to listen to this along with the listeners and uh, tell me what your thoughts are. I'm going to put you on hold for a sec and go ahead, play this. This is the call that I got that was left on my answering machine the other night. Hi, this is Officer Ryan Smith from Canada Revenue Agency. The reason for the call is to inform you that you are under federal investigation because of the audit which took place on your tax papers. As you are found suspicious, we need you or your lawyer to call us back on 844-551-0596. I repeat, 844-551-0596. 
0.9696. Don't try to disregard the message or else it will be taken as an offense from your side. Again, this is Officer Ryan Smith from Revenue Canada. All right, so that was the message that uh, I received from apparently Officer Ryan Smith uh, the other day. And that's, by the way, the second one I've received in a couple of weeks. All right, what are your thoughts on that, Joseph? Well, uh, typically the, an audit doesn't start that way. Um, <laughs> revenue te- uh, typically will try, uh, will contact you in a, uh, advance and indicate to you that we're reviewing a specific taxation year, and they'll send out a questionnaire and arrange for a telephone time or a meeting time if necessary to review um, your, ta- your, 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 your tax returns that have been filed in the past. Um, uh, typically they don't threaten over the phone that if you don't get back to them that... Uh, You've committed an offense. That that's that's typically not uh, uh, something that uh, revenue uh, revenue agency personnel would do. Uh, secondly, I think because of all these scams, revenue is now indicating that when they speak to you, they have an identity number for the individual from CRA, so that you can actually put in uh, uh, identify an, uh, a name with a number. So. Uh, I would be very wary of it. I wouldn't necessarily uh, be concerned about a call from uh, that you received, and I would report that call to uh, the. Um, there's a website that's available that um, uh, the Canadian Anti Fraud Center, which allows them to monitor and investigate any of those those types of uh, scam phone uh, phone calls. Uh, so, in other words, you think that this is a scam. I, I believe. I believe it's very much so it's a scam. It's not something that you would get from a, a, a day-to-day uh, um, auditor from CRA. Uh, considering uh, when I filed my tax return and got my little wee refund, uh, everything seemed to be in the up and up. And other than that, many months ago, I haven't heard another peep from the Canada Revenue Agency. So this well, seems typically when you file your personal return, you're going to get what's called a notice of assessment. Yep. That notice of assessment sort of confirms that you filed the return and essentially accepts your filing. Right. If revenue was going to take a look at that year or the return filed, they would send you notice either by writing or call you ahead and say we're going to look at it and then forward information to you with respect to certain information that they want to have uh, you put together for them to review your return. Um, sometimes a lot of the, you know, uh, personal return, it's a desk audit from CRA where you would just get a letter out of the, out of the blue from revenue indicating we're reviewing your return and, for example, if you're paying support payments and you've deducted support payments, they want to see a copy of the agreement that provides that you're required to pay support or in, or in receipt of support. Um, you wouldn't get such an offensive phone call from CRA. Uh, and and I've received uh, two of these in the last couple of weeks on my answering machine. Uh, are you surprised that people react to these? No, because there um, a lot of people are confused about the tax system. It is complex, and uh, a, a lot of the times there there is sort of um, a negative connotation connoted uh, uh, with uh, CRA. So sometimes when they do call, there's an apprehension, and people become suspect to. Um, you know, fun, I'll use the general term financial theft, which would be either trying to get information to take your money or identity theft, which can lead to financial theft down the road. Uh, any chance on catching these guys? I mean, you said to report it to uh, the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre. What do they do with that information? Is there a chance I, um, on catching these? I'm not these? sure what they do with the information, but I understand that they try to investigate the, the source uh, um, of where um, the scam is coming from and try to link similar information that is received from indivi- uh, from individuals and then try to find the source. Um, unfortunately, as you know, um, any, any of these types of scams are very difficult to find because they keep moving. Uh, it, it, do you receive many calls uh, about complaints or, or, or certainly people who have received calls like the one I just played for you? I would get a lot of call from accounting firms who've got clients who receive these types of calls and asking me, do you know of any um, updated audit policies from CRA that would warrant such a, a new methodology of A, reviewing files, or B, looking for collections? And typically you'd get that the phone call that you receive. That's a bit gentler to one I've heard in the past. The, and the other times they've asked for money to be paid immediately. If not, they indicate that they're going to um, have the police visit you and, and, and arrest you. 
and and uh, unfortunately, there's no ability to do that under the Income Tax Act. Or fortunately, there isn't. But people do get um, uh, uh, scared with respect to that uh, um, threat, and typically um, um, give up some money in order to uh, not no longer be hassled, which is wrong. With technology being what it is, Joseph, uh, just easier to commit these crimes now. Are these going to be on the increase before they're on the decrease? Um, anything uh, I think uh, uh, that's circling around identity theft uh, is is a sort of new type of fraud, and I think they will increase before they will de- decrease because of technology. If you are to call one of these numbers after they've left a message such as this, what are they doing? What are they digging for? What are they looking for? How do you open yourself up by calling one of these numbers back? Uh, they're looking for personal information or debt payments. So. Uh, if we look under the general category of financial theft, um, they're looking for you to make a payment. And in doing so, they're going to try to get access to your bank account. Or um, uh, one of the uh, scams is to have you go purchase a prepaid credit card and deliver that hmm. um, so that they can use that as cash. Because if you make a payment to the, uh, uh, the receiver general, they're not getting paid. So they're looking to get cash from from uh, the, the taxpayer the other types of uh, uh, identity theft uh, they're looking to get in personal information such as bank accounts and what they would uh, typically try to do is say no the, you're entitled to a refund and in order to get that refund we need some information about your bank account your social insurance number or anything where they can latch on to in order to make a false identity and um, um, scam you of your uh, resources any advice for listeners who may have received such a call or who may receive such a call? Well, if you're concerned that you do owe, some, uh, do owe an amount to CRA, you can uh, uh, go on their website on their My Account um, a heading, and you, can de- and you can access online and online what, in fact, you're owed and when. Um, that would be one way of confirming that you're being scammed because the My Account will show whether there's any reassessments. They'll show whether there's any amounts owing and you can quickly discern as to whether you have any, um, any issues with uh, uh, the Canada Revenue Agency. I would do that as a, as a, fir- as a first. Secondly, then I would, rep- uh, I would report it to the um, Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre. All right, Joseph Monaco has been with us, lawyer specializing in tax law for Simpson Weigel Law. Joseph, thanks for the time and insight. Much appreciated. No, thank you. Take Good care. Uh, all right, let's let's hear this one more time, uh, Jacob. We'll play it one more time for the listeners. This was the call that I received. Actually, I've received this call twice. Uh, we were away uh, several weeks ago. I received this, and then uh, just last night. Uh, received or yesterday received another one of these. This is the call uh, supposedly from the Canada Revenue Agency uh, trying to shake me down. Uh, And these are exactly the type of fraudulent calls that we're talking about on the news day in and day out and have been forever. Hi, this is Officer Ryan Smith from Canada Revenue Agency. The reason for the call is to inform you that you are under federal investigation because of the audit which took place on your tax papers. As you are found suspicious, we need you or your lawyer to call us back on 844-551-0596. I repeat, 844-551-0596. Don't try to disregard the message, or else it will be taken as an offense from your side. Again, this is Officer Ryan Smith from Revenue Canada. So there you have it. That's the message that uh, I've received twice now, um, asking us to react, phone the number, and give us some information. Now, normally, when we call out on a live radio show like this, I have to identify what I am doing. Otherwise, I'm putting you on the air without permission. I'm going to waive that right right now. And let's give it a call. Let's see what happens. Do I have to hit a number first? All right, now I got to start again. All right. Okay, there we go. 
We're sorry. Your call cannot be completed as dialed. Please check the number and... Error? Okay. Trying again. No, it's not going through. We're sorry. You must dial 1 or 0 plus the area okay, code before the number one. you are dialed. Okay, we'll dial 1. The CRA is after me, man, so I have to do my due diligence. I got nothing on this. No, look, it just cut off. Let's try again. On eight, right? Line eight? And nothing out, right? Okay. Okay, one more time. Five, five, one. Zero, five. I wonder if they, you know, after a certain amount of time, these numbers are deactivated. So, like, if you don't call. Thank you for the call. How can I help you? Is Officer Ryan Smith there, please? All right. Hold the line. <clears throat> we got a hook. We got a bite. You looking for Ryan Smith? Yes, Officer Ryan Smith. What is your name? Uh, my name is Robert Calvin. Robert Calvin. I will take it out, okay? Hold the line. You have left a message on my answering machine. Which number? Your home number? Uh, at 905-645-3221. No, I think you provide me wrong number. Thank you. Hello? <laughs> so obviously I didn't want to use my real address or my real number. And that's what you're going to get. Isn't that fascinating? Do you want to try them again? I want to try them again. But will I get in trouble? I'll just play stupid. Now I want to be, I want to have a fraud committed against me and I can't get one. Commit fraud against me, damn it, Officer Ryan Smith. Hello? Well, now they booted me out again. You know, there's probably so many people calling this damn number that, you know, he's just, uh, he's just serving up the fraud like he is uh, onion rings and a milkshake. I'm going to try it again. Maybe, no, I didn't want to get... Nah, see, he's blocked me now. Do you think he's blocked me? Because every time I dial, he just... Uh, he just cuts me off. I think he's blocked you, man. Yeah, and it's... Man, isn't that something? That didn't take long, did it? People prank these numbers all the time. I don't blame them for blocking. Hang on. Hang on. Nah, it's going through a rotor. Yeah, we're going to get blocked. There it is. Man, we got in once. We got a nibble. We got a bite. I can feel a tug on the line. But he spat out the bait. The bait left him with a bad taste in his mouth. <laughs> out it went. <laughs> Gone. He spat out the bait. So what that tells me is he has, he has my name and my number from probably any one of a bazillion telemarketing lists. So he knows who the resident is. He knows the number of that resident. So he's obviously got call display. He'll get our uh, radio station number. I'm sure it's. <laughs> I'm sure he. Ha I'm sure it will show up uh, as a tie line or or something technical in regard to a communications place, being a radio station. And then you ask him the name. He puts the name in. The name doesn't match the number. He realizes something's going on. So had I had given my name and my actual home phone number. Perhaps he then would have continued to troll. There's also the possibility the line you dialed out on is not 905-645-3221. None of these lines are. It goes to a box and yeah, it splits yeah, into different exactly. phone numbers. Yeah, yeah. So even if it was just, well, I want to make sure he's saying the same number that he's calling from, it wouldn't have shown up. Well, and I gave him the name of Robert Calvin. So he's, you know, I don't know. I didn't call no Robert Calvin. So I got no, I got no record of your phone number. I've got no record of you. So I don't want anything to do with you. 
Yeah, but if he was actually a police officer, he'd go, you've got a call. No, no. Robert I mean, Calvin. No, there's no, nothing. Like, there's no, th- of course, there's nothing legitimate here, but he didn't even play it like it was legitimate. No, no he, he doesn't want... I've done this before. I've done this before where I've... Because uh, I, I got a studio, a home studio at home. So I've done this at home where I phoned them back and then recorded. And it's the same sort of thing. You Once they realize that uh, you question it in any way, like you question it in any way, uh, over and above what they're normally hearing from people and that, that they would have an answer for, they'll hang up on you. If you give them any sort of resistance and it's like, you know, the, there's two or three steps there, the number, the name, the whatever, and it's like, if you don't match, you're out. They're not going to take the chance trying to rope you in if they think that you're somebody who's trying to figure them out. There's, there's that. They don't need it. They're getting so many so much money, so much profit from the people who do bite and the people that actually do just call them back on their home phone and, and give you know their number and their address and such. They don't need to bother with people like me that are just trying to be difficult. I'm thinking, though, there's an RCMP detective who's calling into these lines in order to fish out these scams and try to find out where these people are, what their operations are. They're going to use their real name. They're going to use their real number because that's how they operate. Well, yeah, I'm sure that so, they'll try to you know yeah. figure out a way to make it... To make it work from their end but at the end of the day uh if you offer any sort of question at all chances are they will just hang up on you because they don't need the hassle they don't need to convince you if you're not buying in right away they don't want anything to do with you because they've got bigger fish to fry and i remember one guy calling me up with a very very thick accent saying his name was ringo star not a word of a lie and i started laughing and I, Ringo Starr, are you serious? Are you you're serious, sir? Your name is Ringo Starr? Yes. And it, it, it's like, you know, are you kidding me? I said, are you aware that there was a former band called the Beatles and he was the drummer for that band? Click. Off it goes. As soon as you question it, they will hang up. You bite, they'll keep reeling you in. But boy, they spat that bait, uh, bait out pretty quick. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML.